This is the Tech Talk for Accountants show with your host, Andrew Lassis, where every week we have a new guest to discuss the latest technology, apps, tips, and tricks to help you improve your accounting firm. This episode is brought to you by Tech for Accountants, an IT firm that specializes in cybersecurity for the small accounting firm. Many of our clients used to work at big firms that had all this crazy security and then went to work for themselves, and while they knew it was important to have great IT security, they just have too many other things to worry about and don't have enough time to actually learn this stuff. What we do is help bridge the gap so that even small accounting firms have great security at a fraction of the cost of doing it themselves, and it's all done for you. We offer listeners to the show a complimentary IT audit and consultation. Just go to tech4accountants.net slash podcast. And you can book a free IT audit. Again, that's tech, the number four, accountants.net slash podcast. And welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I'm your host, Andrew Lassis with Tech for Accountants IT, specializing in the accounting industry. And with us today is Stephen Brown, the co-founder and COO at Ledger, Ledger Gurus, a firm specializing in e-commerce accounting and we, we spent the previous 15 minutes just talking about running marathons and, <laughs> and not where the, uh, the accounting industry is going. So, Stephen, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Let's talk about running. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about running. So, so you do ledger gurus. Cool. So yeah. Now let's talk about your 5K and what splits yeah. you're looking for. <laughs> so, um, so I know kind of the, the background, maybe you could dig into it a bit. What was... What was the the foundation of Ledger Gurus? Because this wasn't exactly like a here we're gonna go full full force into this when it started, right? Yeah, this is really a combination of my wife and partner's story as well as mine. So my wife Brittany Brown, she um, she's got a great story. We'll give you the cliff notes. Got a, a master's in accounting as a single mom. We met right as she was finishing up her degree. Uh, she graduated, got a CPA, worked public accounting for a few years. We got married in there. And, um, I was, my background was enterprise technology. So I worked for primarily working on cybersecurity products. Um, biggest company I worked for was Symantec, which is kind of one of the, the big dogs of, of it security. And so I was kind of doing my career. I was a director of, of product management for, uh, about a $250 million, um, company, at the time. And she's, she had gone to scaling new heights, was inspired to start the company. And we're just like, okay, that sounds like fun. And I just thought it was going to be this little side hustle. I think she thought the same thing. And it just blew up over two years. She, she focused on what is now known as client accounting services, outsourced accounting. And two years in, it was just, it was more than she could take by herself. So we decided to go all in uh, the fun part is I was making more in my my job than the business was making. So we took a real calculated risk and said, we we think this thing can get somewhere. And then we really converged our plat paths. Before that, I was just supporting her. And now we're a, a multi-million dollar firm, 60 employees, you know, hundreds of customers across the United States. It's crazy to think how something that could just be off on the side could really, really ignite and it's such a cool story and and just our story of starting the company like it was me in my living room and you know my roommates in the background like playing video games and I'm trying to like <laughs> play it off like we're not just me in my living room uh, building this company and then like 100 customers turn to 300 and get almost evicted from my condo and then 
one office turns to six turns to COVID turns to, you know, like I, I recall actually just coincidentally, I'd met with her uh, yesterday. I met this woman who she, she was like a business consultant and I had, I had bumped into her and, and just right when I started the company and she's like, what's your, you know, what's your company stand for that? And I'm like, I, I don't, I don't do P and L's and stuff. Like I'm just some dude that fixes computers. And she's like, no, you are a business. And then it kind of like set forth in motion. And then thousands of clients later, it's like, you know, she was, she was right. So it's cool though. It started off just kind of a side hustle. And then what do you think sort of were the factors that led to that explosive growth? Cause that doesn't just happen with like a simple little hobby. Uh, there's a couple things. I mean, I do think the the industry, you know, for outsourced accounting, client accounting services has just been blowing up. So it's always good when you're you're in a market that's that's grow has you know upward momentum. Um, Brittany is a phenomenal salesperson. If anybody's met her or heard her speak at conferences, she's just very charismatic and very driven. Uh, and then you know, I brought in 20 years of of technology and, you know, business management experience. I have an MBA. Uh, I had enough finance background to be dangerous. Now I feel like I'm quite dangerous, although I wouldn't, I'm still not the best world's best accountant, but, um, and then we just found a great team and we just have a growth mindset. Um, you know, I was able to apply a lot of operational approaches to hiring and and things that allow us to scale. I think a lot of firms struggle with scaling because you got to know how to hire. You got to know how to like do the technology. You got to know how to find the customers. And that's what Brittany did. She did, she, she really focused on those aspects. So we just had a scale mindset, a growth mindset, and we've been in an industry that's just been exploding and that's a good combination. It really is. And being able to recognize that and you know, you, you almost said it like, oh, you know, like sales was just part of the gig and, and she's great at it. So, you know, we had sales and, but that's one of the things that I think a lot of people, not even, I think a lot of people struggle with the marketing and sales aspect because so many people, they like doing the accounting work. They like doing the compliance work. They like working one-on-one with their clients and helping them solve problems and put together their plans for growth. And then it's like, well, if I do a really good job, I'll get referrals. And, you know, it's just going to grow organically. And a lot of times, you know, that's not exactly the case. So piecing that together of the marketing aspect and the sales aspect to be able to grow the company and support the growth, that's something that I think a lot of firms really struggle with just companies in general. And, you know, the, the idea that you could just snap your finger or, I mean, there's so many, and I'll, I'll save my, my thoughts on this uh, to the side, but a lot of the SEO, blah, blah, blahs. It's like, Oh, just hire me. And you're number one in Google. And then you just, yeah. it's just raining money. And it's like, but is it? Cause like, wouldn't you do that yourself? Yeah. If you are good, but a lot of times it's just there. the formula is hard work, right? And and learning and being smart. Uh, and Brittany made a, a, a wise decision. She she looped me in early enough to help out with the technology, which was easy because I thought this is a side hustle, which it was. And then we didn't need the income, so we didn't take any money out of the business for the first couple of years. We had that luxury that 
um, she could just focus on growth. And then so she, because of that, she hired, as soon as she got her first client, she hired somebody. She had a, a college classmate who was getting out of big four, wanted something to do and said, hey, do you want to come work for me? They had talked about partnership, but I don't think her this person was really interested. So she she hired an employee almost right out the gate, uh, super part-time, all of them just kind of figuring it out. And then they started figuring it out and got out of control. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a really cool thing, though, to be part of the just, hey, you know, like that, that literally was, was ours. I had my buddy Jake and he was literally working at a competitor and he was just like, yeah, I could probably help you out. And then it's like, we, we grew like 48 X in year two. And it was like, you know, we're, <laughs> I think we got something here. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are some of the problems that you see a lot of firms running into that you guys are able to help assist with? Oh, you know, I think a lot of firms and we, when we go to conferences and speak, um, we talk a lot about sales, hiring and technology. Um, you know, there's this balance and then you know, there's just the, the managing of the work as you scale it up. And there's like not one single thing that's the answer. I think sometimes you'll hear, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. You kind of have to do a little bit of all of it, sometimes a lot of all of it. So um, I like to speak about technology a lot with my background. Um, Brittany talks a lot about sales and um, we'll both talk about hiring quite a bit and kind of the processes and how we, we approach that. But yeah, you kind of have to, you kind of have to figure out how to do all of those different things to scale a, a firm. And I, and I, I see those are a lot of times somebody will be good at one thing, but they're, they're terrible at another and they, they, they kind of tap out at a certain size. And so I mean, you both have sort of that Venn diagram where you're overlapping in the hiring. What are some of the mistakes that you see firms making and maybe some tips or advice on the other side of it of ways to avoid that? Uh, in regards to hiring? Yeah. You know, we, we, had, we actually presented about this at Scaling New Heights this year. And, you know, we said we had to start with like a, you have to have like a compelling reason to get people to come to you. You're not going to have the benefits. You're not going to have probably the compensation structure when you're really small. And this is one of the things that Brittany does well. She gets people on board that have, she sells them a vision. Uh, and she had this great vision early on. Uh, so vision and culture is really important. You know, otherwise, why are people going to come work for a small business? It's kind of crazy. There's no structure. And sometimes I think firms try and sell others on the work. Well, you can do that work a lot of different places. So you got to have a vision. You got to have a, a, a reason to exist. Why, why should somebody come work with you? Why should customers come work with you? A lot of people focus on getting the customers, but you also have to sell the employees. And so I think that's the first step is kind of getting that vision, that culture, and attracting the right people. Sometimes you, you attract the wrong people. You have to just take whatever you can get early on. And then as you shift, you have to get more methodical and put in processes and, and then start focusing on benefits and structure. But most people don't get to that point because they, they have a hard time getting the first hire or the first five. And a lot of that's done off of selling people on the vision and creating a culture that is maybe offsets the compensation that you can't uh, provide to somebody. And a lot of people, I think, on the employer side are thinking that the the wages and benefits 
you know, that's, that's what rules high in people's mind. But you look at any of those, um, you know, what, what employees value the most with an organization. And yes, those are on there, but they aren't number one and two, which I think a lot of firms, if you look at it just in the, you know, when you're selling your clients, if you just view yourself as a commodity and you're the cheapest commodity, it's going to be a race to the bottom and vice versa. If you view your firm as a commodity and your key differentiator is paying more people or paying more money, having more benefits than the other commodities that they could go, like you said, do the same work at, it's, it's the opposite of having, of not charging your clients enough. It's now your expenses are higher. And so selling on that vision and getting people on board, it also helps the cohesiveness of the team. If everyone feels like a family and they're all working together towards a common goal, it's going to bring out more from the people in the organization than it would of, hey, guys, we're a team of people that are highly compensated compared to the alternatives that we could be getting somewhere else. You think that holds true? Yeah, I think to a point. I mean, what we've experienced with the inflationary environment we're in now is is pay is is a more top of mind than than we've seen ever. But um, you know, I've I my with my background in tech, I worked for some companies, got some great compensation, and the companies were miserable. Uh, the things that often kept me around were my friends. Um, you know, I'd, you know, I might have stock options and other things that were really enticing, and they were great but you'd stick around cuz the people you care about. Uh I find that that was you, you enjoyed the work you and and you enjoyed your the people you worked with and you put up with the 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 challenges of a big company. Um but there was like blood money is like, you know, there was a point where like, okay, I don't care how much they're paying me, my friends are starting to bail or I just need to change a pace. Um but yeah, when you like the people who you work with and you like what you do, it's easy to kind of uh, put up with other issues in a company. Yeah, we've, you know, gone through the ebbs and flows of a similar size. We were at 50 at our, um, at our peak pre COVID and six offices and the, the atmosphere when it was like 30 employees, it essentially, it was like a family unit and what ended up happening for us we had gotten a new client or it was really a partner and they were sending us like a hundred new firms every single day. So we had to ramp up and scale overnight and hire 20 people just overnight, just mm -hmm. to handle the insane amount of new work that we had. And so we had skipped and now on the flip side, you know, I see the huge downside to that skipped the you know, how well are you going to fit into the culture? What kind of person are you? What can you bring to the table? And it was like, gosh, are you looking for a job and you'll accept this offer? Like, here you go. We got to get you trained. The phones are just ringing off the hook nonstop. And we just need human beings right now. We'll figure it out later. And unfortunately, with that kind of calamity, yeah, I mean, everybody was still sticking around and stuff, but it didn't have that family culture. We didn't have that um, everyone moving towards the same direction. We didn't have that us versus them kind of thing that you you hear about. So, you know, having the bodies and having 
you know, our customer satisfaction scores were still high. Like everyone was making money. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't necessarily bad on just like the analytical side, but you could feel that it wasn't the same anymore when we took on, you know, grew our staff 40% in two weeks and just here you go. And there were plenty of people in there. Some were good fits and others. It was just like, uh, what are we doing with this person? Like, yeah, they can do their job, but they do not mesh well with everyone's like young and goofing around, like having a good time. And then this like militant New Yorker comes in. That's just like scolding the people that have been there for like since day one, because he doesn't like the culture and, and just, it, it really, it didn't help anything. So I think that's a, it's a topic that's, it's interesting that you speak on, cause I think it's very much overlooked and something that um, obviously is very important. So where do you guys usually find, and I know there's no uh, magic bullet here, but where are you guys usually finding the talent? A lot harder these days. You know, we were doing pretty good. Uh, we have a lot of success on Indeed. Um, we've started working on college recruiting. We're kind of getting to a size where we have to start doing that. And then obviously, I, I still think, and I feel like we got away from this a little bit, is, is referrals is always a great way to do. Um, a lot of the company, best companies I worked with, you'd have these batches of people that would come in, you know, some so-and-so would know all these other people and they'd bring them in. And those are oftentimes where the the best companies is when when somebody is bringing their friends with them, uh, it's a good thing. And so we've we've kind of taken a step back a little bit and said, hey, how do we how do we make sure that we're not uh, missing the referrals, the inside referrals? So it's a combination of those those things. Um, but in terms of job sites, I think Indeed's really good. And you know what we have to do when you're dealing with somebody that's a stranger is kind of sift and and I always tell them when I'm interviewing people like this should be a two-way street I want to make sure you're a good fit for us and you should make sure we're a good fit for you right I, I really hope people interview who you know especially in this market right you people that are looking for a job they have the ability to be selective and so you know take the time to make sure it's a good fit because it's the worst thing is when it's not it, it's, it's bad for both parties I think that's a it's something that's really overlooked, especially, and like you had said, in this market where the employees really do have kind of the pick of, you know, what do I feel like doing? Where do I want to be? What, what are the things that I'm looking for versus, you know, 10 years ago, like I had, I had lost my job. I was waiting tables at the time and I was going to take whoever gave me an opportunity to get work again. It wasn't like it is now. And, you know, and that's, that's part of just how we've been handling things is like the team that we have is really strong. And so trying to not have to go down the, are we a good fit? Are we the right fit? Um, just trying to maximize what we can do and be more efficient with the team that we have. But as I had mentioned earlier, you know, we, we have um, two new hires that have started this month and 
you know, getting them up to speed and stuff, making sure that they're a good fit in the culture. And I'm curious, are you familiar with the, uh, the software, um, what's it called engage with? No, I'm not. So one of, one of my clients recommended this to me. And since we're remote workforce on Slack, it's, it's really cool for employee recognition. And I mean, we've only been using it for two weeks, so maybe, you know, I'll, I'll look back on this like a year later and be like, oh my God, it was so terrible. But, <laughs> but basically it's like everybody gets, gets points and we call our points tacos. And so everyone, every month gets 2000 tacos that they can give out to, to other employees in recognition for helping them. And then when you receive them, you can actually turn them into uh, gift cards. Okay, yeah. And, and when I was describing this to my new hire, you know, it's like, okay, here's the job. Here's, here's what you're going to be doing. Here's the software. Here's how it works. Um, by the way, we got this thing. You can give people tacos. And he was like, whoa. It was like, that is what sold him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, it's a couple bucks, right? Yeah. But like the the concept of working together in a team and and it's cool on my side too, because, you know, employee A helps employee B and they just say, hey man, thanks. But like, that's not getting broadcasted to anybody. They're not getting recognition. They're not going out of the way to be like, hey, Andrew, hey, everybody, guess what? Nick just helped me, you know, it's just like, thank yeah. you, Nick. And so it brings to light, like all of the, the teamwork and stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So, and one weekend it's, it's not the, the right time, I guess, to be recommending something, but as far as team and culture goes, and it's, it's really, it's really cool to see. And maybe it, it might just be the, um, you know, it's like the new shiny thing. So everyone's mm -hmm. like really into it. And then like a month later, it's just like in the background. It's like, okay, stop. We get it. But you'll have, you'll have to post an update in a year. <laughs> yeah. 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 Tell everybody is how it's gone. <laughs> yeah. We have, we have the follow-up episode like one year from now. And it's like <laughs> engage with is like the next like Enron. It's like a gigantic <laughs> like problem. <laughs> everyone's like, Oh no, I can't believe you said anything about them. But so far it's been really cool, but, um, so on the topic where, you know, we, we've kind of drifted off and going in down the, the hiring rabbit hole, what are your thoughts on the, uh, slow to hire quick to fire, uh, philosophy? I think in general, it's, it's a good, good idea, right? Um, as with so many things, it's not, it's easier said than done. Right. Um, you know, I, I think with, with hiring, I, I used to think you could make it formulaic, but I still, st still think there's an element of a bet that each party is making on each other. And you can try and de-risk that through different processes, whether it's assessments, um, you know, interview techniques, et cetera. But there's still an element of surprise, you know, until they get in and actually start doing the work. Uh, one of our friends firms, they have like a, I forget what they call it. It's like a, a sample day where they can come in and work, get paid almost like a contract for, for a day just to kind of get the experience, which I think is interesting. Kind of hard like in one day to really, because there's so much of a learning curve. On the other end, like um, you want to be quick. I think I think if something's not working out, you want to be quick. What I would say is you be quick to give feedback. Very clear feedback. We We started doing... The first 30, 60, 90 days, a couple of years ago, we realized like we need to be very clear how somebody's doing both 
what they're doing well and what they need to improve. And so we have these checkpoints where they kind of self-assess, uh, different people that work with them will assess and just give them that feedback. And if they're off track, you know, if it looks like, Hey, this isn't going to be a fit. We really have very deliberate conversation with them. Like this, this doesn't look like it's working out. Um, it's, it's tough, but we, we had a, we've had a period where we didn't give people really good feedback and it drag on forever. And it's super hard. And, and, and it's, it's still something we're, we're developing, right. You know, the ongoing feedback, sometimes people will get in and they're doing all right, but well, they still got stuff to work on, but six months will go on 12 months will go on there. They haven't progressed. And so giving people really good feedback is important and it's hard to do, right. It's not, I think a natural thing to do, but I think when you're very honest with somebody and they're very honest with you and you kind of know where, where everything stands, the best outcomes will occur. Yeah. Having that candid conversation and it's, I think it's difficult, you know, to open up that door and have those difficult conversations. And I know just for me flat out, like I know one of my biggest flaws is I will hold on to something someone did for a very long time, like a very good thing that someone did and keep them way, way past the point that they should still be part of the organization. And, and every time we eventually end up letting those people go, the conversation is always, we should have done this months. We should have done this years ago, but the, you know, status quo, it's like, it's easier to keep the people on and kind of have that romanticized version of something that they had done in the past and not really coming to grip with what's happening in the future. But if you're not scheduling out and having those, those conversations of here is what I'm seeing and here's what we're expecting, here's where the gap is, what do we have to do to fix that as opposed to kind of the passive aggressive of just like, ugh, there it is again, ugh, there it is again. Mm-hmm. And especially with a remote team, there isn't the um, like the the social cues, the facial cues, you know. It's it's reading between the lines of what a message written via Slack means, and I I keep forgetting. Like most of our team's been with us for multiple years, so they know how how I operate. But with with the new people, like I forget that my dry sarcastic sense of humor doesn't translate well. Mm-hmm. over text so so one person he was like oh yeah 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 definitely you know I'll, I'll call you back i'll definitely do it and and i said i was like oh yeah that's definitely going to be a sale and but i did not mean that and he the guy's like really you think so it's like <laughs> those usually are just people politely telling me to f off but for you is that like how it works and it's like no no that's <laughs> that's me being sarcastic i'll i'll be that blue guy holding his breath or the, and surprisingly, though, a lot do call back, but that's regardless, neither here nor there. So learning how to navigate people, seeing that they're a good fit. And is there any technology that you use through that process? I mean, we had hit on Indeed, and we've had decent success actually through uh, LinkedIn hiring. We've We've gotten some really good candidates and really good employees actually 
from LinkedIn's hiring process, which I was surprised with. But is there any technology that you're using on the back end? Yeah, I, one of the things I tell people, there's a point where you need to get an applicant tracking system. Uh, the story that I tell is we we used a free applicant tracking system, Zoho Recruit, for a while. Um, and that basically manages the applications and you can put put some workflow and stuff around it. Um, and then we hired who's now our HR generalist. She, um, she came on and we said, hey, we need to post a job. Um, I think she posted it on Indeed and she put hire everywhere. This was like 2017. And we just got bombarded by applicants. So we're like, we need a better tool. We need a better process. So we moved to, you know, we, we did some research. We ended up using Breezy HR. Um, part of the reason we liked it is you could automate a lot of stuff. You could have auto responses. You could have different stages that they could come in and then they get asked to fill out a, a survey and do video questionnaires, which are super helpful. We're an all remote company too. So the written communication, the video communication, so that's the first piece of tech that I would say when you're starting to hire at volume, when you're smaller, you can get away with um, more manual processes. It's just painful. And the other piece of technology that we use that's, I think, super valuable is our HR information system, HRIS. Uh, we use Bamboo HR, which also has an embedded applicant tracking system. So you could go out and get that and get both. But we actually needed something that had more automation than they offered. So we use Bamboo HR for, you know, managing the onboarding, all the employee information, um, you know, over time, we've used it for more for time off requests. Um, we bought their performance management module. So we use that for performance management and feedback. Uh, and those two are kind of the the kind of the one-two punch for hiring and, and just managing the team on an ongoing basis. And I'd assume that you've gotten to the point now where you have kind of the onboarding piece of it you've got the framework of, okay, day one, this is what this looks like. Day two, oh, yeah. you're going to be talking with this person, shadowing that. What is what does that kind of in a nutshell look like for, for you with, and I'm sure it's different for different uh, positions, but you have kind of just a high level of what that's going to look like the first couple of days. Yeah. And even before that, we have a process that involves hundreds of steps. Um, trying making sure that when they are starting they have the technology they have all the accounts set up um, so we use asana as our workflow uh, work management tool there's so many tools out there you, you can't go wrong um, so we have these templates for for new hire templates of all the things that all the different people need to do before they get started day one week one week three um, and then one of, one of our big pushes, we've done a really good job day one, probably through month one, getting them up to speed on our tools and technologies and processes and culture. And then we've been on this multi-year push, and it's probably going to take us many more years around role-specific training, how to do that role specifically, just sort of apply the same methodologies. And there's a lot more to that because every team and every, that we have has their own specific processes and and oftentimes tools. So they're all building up those those processes. And you're also trying to figure out how do we, you know, make these efficient, you know, and you should be re revisiting those regularly. 
really important, I think, for remote work in, in particular, because you don't have that tribal knowledge where you can sit around the, the campfire, you know, so to speak, and right. learn and look over each other's shoulders. For us, um, I remember I uh, Canopy, which has a practice management tool there in my backyard, and I've gotten to know them and gone over to their office a couple of times and kind of given them feedback on their tool. And when I remember when I showed them some of our templates, they're like, whoa. And I was like, well, we're all remote. Like, like how else do we kind of know, stay on that same page? We don't, you don't have that, that even with like a, you know, Slack or teams in our case, Microsoft teams, it, a lot gets lost. You don't have that looking over the shoulder, asking those easy questions. It's, it's harder. There's more friction. So we have to standardize and really create templates that, that ensure a consistent experience and outcome for people. Yeah. And at the end of the day, your, your customers are expecting that too, that, you know, when they do business with you, it's not going to be a crapshoot of, well, hopefully the person I call knows how to do their job. And it's not needing like a, a person that's always been there. Cause you know, we kind of, we kind of came into it spoiled where so many of our employees currently were from when we were in the offices so we had Slack, but it was more just to communicate with people in a different office if something or in a different, yeah, in a different office, really, because, you know, if you're right next to someone, then you just ask them, hey, real quick, or if a customer says something, you don't have to type it out to ask the question, you just get that instant feedback, instant answer. So that is a new challenge that, um, that a remote workforce does bring to the, bring to the table. But having kind of that centralized knowledge base and giving people the ability to um, like self-service and be able to get the answers to their questions, or if those answers are not there, then to have a way to streamline getting those answers there. And, you know, that was something that with these new people that we're hiring, where they're asking questions that I just kind of took for granted. It's like, everyone else knows this. And it's like, well... But how would you know that if you hadn't worked here for five years like everybody else? So it's it's neat how that kind of uncovers it. But even the one person started two weeks before the other and just the the things that that person had brought up that we got up to speed with the other one and getting it getting him faster, getting him up to speed. And you know, you learn, you learn as you go. And the more and more times you do something, you know, the better you get at it, or at least, you know, hopefully not just banging your head against the wall uh, over and over, but Stephen, I want to be conscious of your time. Where's a good place that people can go online and learn more about you. Uh, for me, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, not super active, but you'll see me pop up every now and then. Uh, Stephen Brown ledger gurus is how you can find me on Twitter. I'm S-T-E-K-B-R-O is my, my Twitter user handle. Awesome. So as always, if you enjoyed the show, be sure to share it. And we're going to have clips throughout the week when this gets published. And Stephen, thank you so much for being on the show. And I appreciate your time. Have a great day. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening to the Tech Talk for Accountants show. I hope you enjoyed today's guest. And remember, you can go to techforaccountants.net slash podcast 
to book a complimentary IT audit conducted by a technician certified by the AICPA in cybersecurity. Again, that's tech, the number four accountants.net slash podcast.